Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. And last week we, we talked about uh, the Roman centurion. And we made it halfway through the single longest narrative in the book of Acts. And, and today I want to continue um, walking through that. Now to catch us up, we can go to Acts 10, chapter 1. Acts 10, chapter 1, or Acts 10, verse 1. We'll start there. But, but you remember, um, and if you need a Bible, there's some, there's some in the pews. If you don't have a Bible, you can use your smartphone, um, or you can maybe share with the person beside you. Um, but, but the idea here was the, the movement of the Spirit of God. Now, if you think Jesus lived 30, 33 years Um, you have this sense that the beginning of Acts somewhere begins somewhere between 30 and 33 AD. That's what scholars would say. But sometimes when you read it, remember there was no like chapter, chapter numbers um, back when this was written by Luke. This was all written by one man, about one man, one spirit, one growing church for one man, Theophilus. And you have to understand that as time progresses, things are happening. And what we see in Jordan taught in Acts chapter 9, that, that's probably happening at 37 A.D. And Paul goes and spends three years. And many, many scholars believe that what we're about to look at, chapter 10 and 11, happened somewhere around 40 A.D. So it wasn't like just like one day this happened, the next day this happened, the next day. There is like space that is happening in between. But you see in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, I'll read here and then we'll jump down. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So again, scholars believe that this man was Italian. Uh, he, he had risen to such power and authority, and he has an experience with a vision. We'll jump down, and then we'll get to Peter at Cornelius' house. And, and you remember last week, if you were here, if you weren't, go ahead and listen to it on the podcast. But, but last week we talked about how there was this trance that Peter had gone into. And a trance is, is this, this idea of like being outside yourself but being inside yourself. And, and God was beginning to kind of stretch Peter from being a temple person to a spirit person. And now he was going to enter into a Gentile's house. And this in Jewish culture, I mean, Jewish men actually got up, and you've heard me say this, but they prayed and thanked God that they weren't a slave, that they weren't a Gentile, and that they weren't a woman. That was what they prayed. It was profoundly patriarchal, profoundly prejudicial in those days. And and all of a sudden, you've been taught this ever since you were young, and you never, ever, ever would ever enter into a Gentile's house because you could be corrupted. You'd be considered unclean. And this is where God is stretching. It says this, we'll skip down to verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to him, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection 
But may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answers. He says, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. We'll stop right there. So it's like this, this sense of even this man, Cornelius, a Gentile, he'd been praying to God. He'd been actually like giving of his resources to serve the poor and help the poor. A man of influence, a man of power, and somehow almost like a sweet aroma from a Weber grill reached the father. And the father sends this, this, this angel and says, hey, 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 God has seen you. God has heard you. God, God is so proud of you. It continues on and says this. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize, I don't know how old Peter is. Many scholars believe that he's in his young 20s at this time. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That word favoritism is amazing. In the original language, it literally means taking face, a face taker. And what favoritism is, in many ways, is the opposite side of prejudice. See, prejudice looks at a person and, 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 and takes face and goes, oh, based on something or another, I can't go near that person because they will actually maybe affect me, hurt me. There's a sense of fear towards that. We've seen that in our country, divisions. The other side, favoritism, and we see this in our culture as well, is sometimes you'll see this when someone takes face and what they realize is from the outside, this person can help me gain in my business, in my influence, in my opportunities, in my resources, they might actually be the guy who knows the guy or knows the woman. And so if I can get them to like me, then maybe, just maybe, I can get a meeting. And in the sense of what the Jewish people had done is they had just believed that the favor of God allowed them to believe that they were better than everybody else and to look down. And what Peter's waking up to is, oh, my goodness, for all of my life, I have been taking face. There has been senses of prejudice, and there's been a sense of I'm only interacting with people who can basically help me, help me, help me, help me. And when he begins to understand what the cross is all about, what resurrection is all about, what the kingdom of God is all about, what it means to not just be a temple people, but a spirit people, is he's about to experience something profoundly different. What he says in the scriptures is he's like, now I know and I understand that God accepts, or the better word is God welcomes from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I walked in my neighborhood this morning and stole a whole bunch of welcome mats. It's all right, I'll, I'll bring them back, they won't notice. Um, some of them said, uh, hello, oh, that's cute. I did not steal them, don't worry. <laughs> um, 
I'll give it away where I went. This one says, likely at Target. That's, friends don't let friends go to Target because you'll spend so much money. Um, yay, you're here. That's cute. So happy you're here. Really? Um, hope you brought wine. That's fantastic. It's a bunch of people who do communion. Um, or wipe your paws, uh, which is adorable. If any of you want these after. But I, I, I think about these. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I want one. Um, but, uh, but I think about this. Like everywhere we go is we're basically dropping a welcome mat or not. Are people welcomed in our presence? And um, yesterday, something kind of profound happened. Um, you know, um, about 14, 15 months ago, um, someone really, really dear to this community uh, on a Sunday morning um, passed. And I'll never forget this moment because uh, I, I got wind of it and I was trying to like find the right words to try and capture what had taken place. And, uh, and then an article from the Daily Herald was sent to me. And in that article, um, it just raved about this man, about his faith, about his humility. The city of Streamwood, basically the guy who wrote this, uh, was interviewed, said, I can't imagine a better model for a human than Mark Bell. And I remember just being like, oh my goodness. So yesterday, 15 months after, a bunch of us gathered at a gymnasium in Streamwood. We walked into a gym, and I, I, didn't, I didn't really know what was, what was going to happen, you know. Walked in, and they set up like, like seven chairs. It was like, you know, for the, the family, the daughter, the, the son, the grandkids. And like 100 plus people showed up. Like from the city, from the community, different people. And you walk into the gym, and it says the Mark Bell Gymnasium. And, um, and, and, and watching this, and then watching these city officials, like, actually talk about this man. And then um, he walked out, and outside they put a plaque up. And, and again, if you knew Mark, he would hate this. He would not be about this at all. But they put it, and, and what you see in this plaque is this man of faith. And what is amazing is it didn't matter if you were a kid, didn't matter who you were, how much you had, how little you had. Um, I, I posted something on, on, on social media. I started getting these messages from people, and they were like, oh, I knew that guy. He'd like be listening to worship music, and he'd just come and talk to you. And it's just like, this is what he did. Didn't matter. Just going to put down a welcome mat. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. It didn't matter where he was. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. And a guy who, I mean, honestly, the, his title was like district custodial officer. But he was faithful. He's character. And he accepted everyone. And I, I look at that and I go, gosh, like, what kind of church do we want to be? Man, is the kind of church that actually sees, oh, not that I just am favored by God, but that actually, so is she. And so are they. And so are them. And so are he. They, 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 are, they are. We are favored by God. And sometimes what happens, and, and you've got to understand this, 
I mean, I grew up, my parents weren't Christian. I was put in a Christian school. And uh, every morning we'd line up, we'd say the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, then we'd pledge allegiance to the Christian flag, which I didn't understand. And then once a week we'd sing God Bless America. And you know the history and the origin of that song? There's a guy by the name of Irving Berlin. And that wasn't actually his real name, just the, uh, somehow they got his name wrong, and then he just went by that from then on. But he was trying to write a song about the peace of our country. And, and I, I remember just like growing up and I remember going to my youth pastor in like high school and I was like, hey, I, I really like this song. It's really moving. It's really beautiful. But does God just bless America? And he's like, no. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And really when you study Irving who wrote this song, he, he, he didn't mean it as, oh, this is just us being more blessed than anybody else. It was just him trying to unite a country that was being so divided to recognize, do you know how grateful we ought to be? And really deep down, what's amazing is, is oftentimes, I think for some of us, we kind of grew up going, oh, we have more, we go to better schools, And it's easy to start to look down at other people. And what's amazing is, really deep down, like sometimes we can look down at different countries, different people groups. And again, all of that is just temple people. But really at the heart of being a spirit-led person is recognizing, oh, the grace that I've been given, so have they. And and, and here's, here's the beautiful piece is Peter starts speaking, and he starts talking, and he's recognized that there's something, there's some expectancy and earnestness in these Gentiles. He says this, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. I don't know if they did. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he had rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And then he says this, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter's like, he's trying to give like a summary of how we got to the point that we are. And he's like, hey, God sees you. He hears your prayers. He sees what you're doing through and serving the poor. But that's not just it. You got to understand that there's a God who sent his son who died for you and he wants to forgive you of your sins. And so in this moment, Peter, I mean, imagine he's just preaching. But look at this. Look at this. And this is every preacher's dream. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out 
even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They had received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So get this, can you just imagine I'm like midway through my talk and some of you are like, I wish you were done right now, but like you're midway through your talk and all of a sudden just the presence of God takes over and Peter's like, I'm not done, Lord. No, he's like, something's happening. The, the circumcised believers, they're like, oh my goodness, something is happening. And what do they do? They baptize them. But here's the problem. Peter now has to explain himself. To the religious. This is, this is always the tricky piece. Maybe some of you have experienced this. Maybe you experienced this like when you invited a certain kid to youth group. Maybe you experienced this when you sat with this person at lunch. Maybe you experienced this when you invited this group of people over to your house. Maybe you experienced this when you were interacting with someone who has a different belief system. And, and maybe you experienced some people from the temple just saying, what are you doing? Why? What are you doing? And, it, and it's in this moment, in this moment that Peter knows, oh man, this is, this is probably not going to be good because I am breaking every tradition that every one of us has ever been taught, which is we do not enter a Gentile's house, number one. But how do I explain that they were speaking in tongues? And then how do I explain that I baptized them? And how do I explain that God and Jesus died? How do I explain that to them? And look what it says, chapter 11. Verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. If you don't know what circumcision is, Lenny.Davis at fourcitychurch.com. Just shoot him an email. Now, in the sense of this, in the sense of this, you have a moment here where we're good people asking good questions. But they're not really asking questions, they're criticizing. And what they're really trying to do is get back here. Get back in line. Because for many of us, we grew up in systems like this, but this is how the temple was. If you believe what we believe and you behave the way we tell you to behave, you will find belonging. This is what temple people did. Believe, behave, and you do that right, you can belong. But you have a sense where the spirit is like, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of the spirit, whether it's an Ethiopian eunuch, whether it's Saul, a persecutor, whether it is a Roman centurion, a Gentile of all Gentiles, 
because of Christ, you can belong. And somehow, with your understanding of the Spirit, when you find belonging in this life together, it's actually going to shape how you become and what you believe. And that, that is one of the pieces here. And so, so in any moment, here's what I just want you to know. At any moment, if you find yourself over your skis, and I have felt this many times in ministry, being in Israel, being in Palestine, people are like, what are you doing? Working in different areas of poverty, I, what are you doing? I've had it from religious people, not from, not from people not, who don't know Jesus. I've had this. And the one thing that you're going to see that Peter does is he has a verse that anchors him. And when he says this verse, it's almost like all of a sudden the, the, the scales begin to fall off the temple people. The scales begin to fall off the disciples. Look what it says, chapter 11, continues. It says this, verse 4, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. He talks about the trance. He tells them the whole story. And then he goes and he talks about how he enters this house. But I want you to go to verse 15. He says this, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And it's in this moment, verse 16, I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's like one moment that Peter says one verse and the disciples are like, Oh, I remember Jesus saying that. Are you, this wasn't just for us? Oh, wow. So then even the Gentiles who repent, they can receive forgiveness of sins. They can receive the Holy Spirit. They, it's like their mind is absolutely just taken back. So here, trying to bring it all together is this. Is there anywhere in your life that you show a sense of, favoritism. Any place in your life that you go, oh, you know what? I see these people higher than these people. I want to get connected to this person because if I get connected to this person, it makes me feel better about myself. Or if I get connected to this person, then all of a sudden that's going to get me connected to this person, which maybe might be better for my business. It's a smart, it's a smart capitalistic play. It's just not the kingdom way. And part of being a spirit person is, Lord, I'm trusting you. But, but the question is, is there any space in your life where there's favoritism? Maybe another way to say it, is there any, any place in your life where, wow, there is just a sense of prejudice? And, and one of the ways that you can get really familiar with this is who don't you lay this out for? Who are you not willing just at your work to make space for? Who is that neighbor 
who maybe is a part of the other political party that you can't stand? Who is that person? You're like, there's no way, maybe they're a family member, no way that I will ever let them come into my house. There is no way. And that's why it's so beautiful when you see, and I see it in this congregation, see people like the Mark Bells. Just somehow did it. And when you look at that, and someone who doesn't know Christ goes, I can't imagine another better model of a human than Mark Bell. Wouldn't that be amazing if someone said that about us? Because we knew how to showcase radical hospitality? Where's the favoritism? Ask yourself, okay, well then, who am I putting this welcome mat for and who am I not? And sometimes the reason we don't put it out because we know that there are other people in our life who are gonna say something. So maybe we just steal the verse that Peter used. Anytime someone's come to me and they're like, hey, I think I gotta share my story or I think I gotta, I think I gotta actually talk about what happened or I gotta, I gotta like actually confront something or I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta step out and do something, the one thing I will always tell them, you better have an anchor verse. If you don't have an anchor verse, when you start getting some sense of tension or tide or current, and this is what Peter had. He had an anchor verse and he beautifully tells us and I think maybe for, for us, we should use it. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And here's where it got convicting for me is I realized, whew, I still have so far to go with the welcome mat. I still have so far to go to get the, the head noise of what people will say or what people will think or the emails that I'll get. I have so much work to do there. And I, I think for us, is if we're going to be the kind of church that does life together, what if we were the kind of church that actually celebrated? You, you, you had people over at your house? Dude, well done. Hey, you actually, you made space for that person? Yeah. You got to see God at work in there. Like, wow. What if we actually were like, not, wait, why, 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 why? What if we were like, oh my goodness. Because if we don't go, who might not go? If we don't go, who might not actually go to heaven? And the whole movement of Acts was this evangelistic sense of just trying to join with what Christ was doing. And I don't, I, I don't know. I just I think about the rest of the years of my life. I, I don't want to waste time, like, holding welcome mats, living with favoritism. I just want to be someone who just, this is what we do. I don't want to be a temple people. I want to be a spirit people. And when criticism comes, let it come. But we know we have the anchor verse. Why are we going to get in God's way? Just keep trusting. And we want to keep pointing people to recognize there is forgiveness of their sins. There is an opportunity to walk in healing and wholeness and in love and goodness and grace. 
That's who we are. And a better way to say it, and then I'll be done, is simply this is, and I think this is what Peter was having to recognize, am I a carrier of God's goodness and grace, or am I a barrier? And that's what I just kept getting hit again and again this week. Am I carrying that name, or am I buried to it? So just maybe spend a moment right now and just think, just, just think to yourself, is there a sense of favoritism? And all favoritism is, is just a lack of trust in God. You got to put it all on your own self. And a word that I think has just gotten just totally pushed out in, our, in churches today is the word repentance, but it's one of the most beautiful words, teshuva. It just means to return, to come home, return back to the heart and the spirit and the way that we were called to live. Maybe in your own way, maybe it's like, ah, oh, there, there is some repentance that's needed in that this week. Just showing a little too much favoritism. Maybe this week the question really is not around favoritism. Maybe the question is, who's the person that you're going to welcome into your presence that you haven't yet? Who's the person you're going to make an invitation to this week, but you haven't yet? Maybe just ask for strength from the Spirit right now. Or give me strength. Maybe it starts with a phone call, an email. What if we were those kinds of people? Maybe the more pressing question of all of these is this. That verse that said, the circumcised men criticized Peter. Who are the people you're afraid of who will criticize you? And are they louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit? And that's part of the tension that we have to sit in to say, ooh, am I going to let the fear of criticism or the fear of these people stop me from doing what I saw Jesus do? And that's where I had to repent a lot this week. It's just spending time with the Lord on a walk, spending time with God going, man, I'm, you want this thing to be so open to the presence of God, but somehow, some way, sometimes, the voices of others are the loudest. So God, we just come before you. I know the kind of church you're calling us to be kind of church that does life together and who is together? Humans. <laughs> God, if we're the kind of church that lives an invitational life that is just inviting people into our lives, into our homes, hearing stories, I pray that we would see each other doing that and encourage each other. I pray that the spirit would just begin as we do baptisms in the coming month. We do child dedication in November. Like, I just pray that like new families and new people would be like, oh my goodness, this, this is different. So God, I just pray that 
we wouldn't be a church that showcases favoritism. And we'd be a church that welcomes. And we'd be a church that your voice is the loudest voice. And we would trust you. Even when it stretches us, even when it forces us in the cognitive dissonance, we would trust you to guide us and lead us. That we would be carriers, not barriers. We pray all this in your name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us.